You're listening to The Single Momcast, and I'm Mel Hyatt. We recently sat down with four individuals to listen to their stories and create a video Bible study, but we wanted to share that Bible study with our podcast audience. These individuals have different stories of being raised by single parents in healthy homes and in unhealthy homes. After listening to their honest and heartfelt stories, we will journey through scripture and see where Jesus's story and our stories intersect. We are confident that you will walk away encouraged and challenged as you listen. It's time to discover your story and how that story can change the way you parent. Enjoy this four-part series that we are releasing weekly. Today, we will examine the word redemption. The Bible is full of redemption stories, stories where God steps in and rescues those in need. Your story can be full of redemption as well. We're going to listen to a story about redemption and journey through John chapter 9 and see that redemption at work. Here you will see a person desperate for healing and a Savior willing to redeem. In the middle of it all, you will discover your story, a story that finds itself full of redemption because of Jesus. Single mom, this is your story. I'm Simi, and this is my story. I was born in India into an Orthodox Christian home with a rich heritage in Christianity dating back to the time when one of the disciples, Thomas, came to Kerala, India. My dad's great-great-great-great-great-grandfather converted and helped plant a church with Thomas. So my family was very religious, but we didn't have a relationship with God. My dad worked as a chef in the Middle East, and my mom, my brother, and I lived in India. So I don't have a lot of memories from my childhood of my dad. He would come home to visit us for a few weeks at a time every year. And every time he came, there was always alcohol. One time he came to pick me up from school and I remember overhearing my teachers call him a drunk. I was five or six, so I didn't really know what it meant, but I knew that it was something bad just by their faces. Then as a family, we all moved to Dallas, Texas, when I was about seven, where my mom's family had settled in the 80s. That's when we really understood the degree of my dad's addiction. He would come home late almost every night from work. There weren't cell phones, so my mom would get anxious. She would wake me up and tell me how worried she was. We would stay up until my dad would come around 1 or 2 a.m., and then my mom, in her frustration, would say something and it would set my dad off. They would argue and yell. Eventually, it would turn physical, and as a seven-year-old, I was pulling my dad off my mom so he would stop beating her. I would threaten to run and tell the neighbors, and then they would finally stop. Being Indian meant living in a shame-honor culture. So we didn't tell people anything that would bring us or our family dishonor or a bad name in the community. My mom would remind me as I would leave for school the next day to not tell anyone what had happened. This was my life. Week after week, year after year. So I really thought this must be normal. This is what marriage and families look like behind closed doors. 
One day, my grandpa's church was having a small group meeting at one of our neighbor's houses. So my mom and I went. And as I saw these strangers sing and pray, I could sense joy and peace on them, a joy and a peace I didn't have that I desperately wanted. And that night, without anyone really sharing the gospel with me, I gave my heart to Jesus. So did my mom. But life went on, and nothing really changed in my home life. Everything was still broken, but now we knew there was something better, a joy and a peace out there that we could live in. But we knew nothing would change for us until my dad changed. And my dad was a stubborn dude, and he was pretty intimidating, so we knew no one was going to come and share the gospel with him. And he would never go to our grandfather's church. In fact, we were too scared to tell my dad what we had experienced that day and how we had given our hearts to Jesus. A few years later, my brother and I visited my grandpa's church for a baptism service because we had never witnessed an adult baptism. And during the worship part, when everyone was singing, my brother, who was around eight, began to cry. And the pastor noticed him and walked up to him and asked if he was okay. But my brother couldn't stop the tears that streamed down his face. And he kept repeating the words, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. So that Sunday, my little brother got saved. And as we left church that day, I explained to my brother that he cannot tell our dad what had just happened. But then next Sunday came along, and my brother told my dad that he wanted to go to grandpa's church. My dad could sense something was happening. So he spanked my brother, scolded us, and told us that that is not our church, and we are not allowed to go there anymore. Any hope of my dad changing and my family experiencing joy and peace seemed to be lost. By this time, my dad had his own restaurant and the financial burden was wearing on him. After a few years, my dad was on the verge of a breakdown financially and emotionally because of his alcoholism was out of control. He went to rehab, but they couldn't guarantee anything. And the price of rehab added to his financial stress so he decided to quit. One day, as he was closing up, he noticed a business card that someone had left at the restaurant. It said, Reverend something. So he called that number and asked the man on the other end for prayer. And that pastor came to our little apartment week after week for months on months, explaining the gospel message, answering my dad's questions and praying with him. Some days my dad was receptive and some days he was argumentative. But then one cold day in October, my dad finally gave his heart to Jesus and everything changed. He became the husband my mom needed and the father my brother and I needed. My dad actually became an evangelist who traveled the world with the gospel. My brother went to Bible college and is a pastor and I married a pastor. My story is the story of the Bible. It's the story of redemption. See, the love my great-great-great-great-grandfather had for God that caused him to step out in faith to help plant a church had been lost because of addiction and abuse. But God redeemed it through my dad's life and now my whole family, we love God and we serve the church. 
because our God saves. He redeems all that is messed up and makes the broken beautiful. Now that was a story. Simi, thank you for being brave and telling your story. I love how Simi ended her story by saying, my story is the story of the Bible, the story of redemption. I want to walk you through a moment in John chapter 9 where Jesus shows a whole community that he is all about redemption. This story begins when Jesus and his disciples were walking about and they saw a blind man. The disciples asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Who sinned to cause this? His parents? Him? Jesus replied by saying, no one sinned. He assured them that this wasn't his parents' fault. This wasn't the blind man's fault. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed through him. Jesus was saying, this is God's marketing plan. Jesus then does something a little wild. He spits on the ground and he made mud, which he then put on the blind man's eyes. And he asked him to go wash it away in the pool. The blind man did what Jesus said, and when he returned, he was able to see. He was no longer blind, and as he walked around his neighborhood, nobody could believe that it was him. They began questioning him, who healed you? And his answer was, the man they called Jesus healed me. Then, as always, the Pharisees show up to the story. They began questioning the man, and they could not believe what they were seeing that he could see. The Pharisees began to argue amongst themselves as to what they should do. Then they interviewed the blind man's parents and the blind man again, just in case. And it was in this moment that the Pharisees became angry at what Jesus had done. And they took it out on the blind man. They started yelling insults at him and they threw him out. And Jesus shows back up to the scene in verse 35 in this moment. It reads, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus doesn't seem to care about anything else. He didn't ask him why he was thrown out or who threw him out. He wasn't interested in blaming anyone. He doesn't care about who is to blame. He cares about who believes. Jesus is all about redemption. He is the redeemer. We are the redeemed. Just like Simi's story, just like the blind man's story, Jesus will go out of his way to get in your way and interrupt your brokenness with healing. He doesn't care about where you were born or how you were born or any of those things that we think define us, our sins, our accomplishments. He isn't walking into the room looking for those things. Jesus is walking into the room looking for you and asking, do you believe in the Son of Man? So if you are in a situation that you put yourself in, or you're in a situation that you didn't put yourself in, it doesn't matter. What matters is you need a Savior, and Jesus is a Savior worth believing in. Take some time. Read through that story in John 9 and remember that redemption is for you. Jesus is for you. This is Simi's story. This is the blind man's story. This is your story. You are redeemed. Join us next week as we hear a story about a troubled little boy and the word perseverance.
Thank you for listening to the Single Mom Cast.